Welcome to Cinema Scene on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. I'm Noel T. Manning II, hanging out with my cohort in film, Mr. Adam Long. Adam, hey buddy, how are you, man? From Focus Newspaper, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, as uh, keeping up with the movies as always. Yeah, absolutely, we man. Do. So, yep. Yeah. Um, well, a lot going on uh, today. We're going to talk about if, if people have never listened to us before. Let me share. Um, Cinema Scene, we talk movies, uh, we give you movie reviews, we give you movie news. Um, you know, sometimes we have uh, special guests that will pop up and, uh, and, and could be a, um, an Oscar-nominated actor or actress. Uh, who knows? Uh, that's the kind of the cool thing about this show is we go in all sorts of directions relating to, to film and filmmaking. And uh, today we are going to spend some time talking about a couple of deaths, uh, Wes, Wes Craven and Dean Jones. Uh, we're also going to look at uh, kind of an interesting surprise at the box office uh, last weekend, and um, we're going to spend the last half of the show talking about hits and misses of the summer from our perspective. So there's your sneak peek, there's your Twitter version of what you're going to find right here on Cinema Scene this week. Uh, where do you want to start uh, this week, Adam? Um, well, we'll go ahead and cover uh, these uh, these losses. Let's uh, do it. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, Dean for- Jones first. One from uh, from we remember back from when we were Disney. Uh, Disney fans at the those in, in the seventies, but the guy was uh, much much deeper than that. Yeah, yeah, he started up in the uh, the the fifties. He uh, was in the military and uh, wound up taking up acting after his uh, stint in the military. Born in Alabama, and he um, uh, wound up in San Diego after getting out of the military. And uh, uh, his uh, got got a job. He was doing some stage work and uh, was discovered there and. And got a job. Actually, I think he was doing uh, um, stage work, ironically, of all places, at Knott's Berry Farm, that amusement park out there. And somebody discovered him and signed him. I think it was MGM. And uh, he appeared in Somebody Up There Likes Me. And uh, he was doing a a TV show for NBC in the uh, early 60s. And um, I believe it was Stagecoach West, I believe, might have been the one. And uh, that's where... um, Walt Disney discovered him, and he kind of became his go-to guy at that point, uh, and he uh, began his uh, appearing in those uh, his string of those Disney comedies with That Darn Cat in 1965, and, and quickly followed by Ugly Doc Soon and Monkeys Go Home and Horse in the Gray Flannel Suit, and of course, the biggest success of them all was The Love Bug, yep. and that was a character, of course, that he would uh, play several times. Jim Douglas was the character there, and he um, returned to that character in 77 for the the Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo film and also uh, in the TV series. I don't know if you remember, there was a six-episode series in the spring of 82, The Love Bug, and then they relaunched The Love Bug uh, in 97 with Bruce Campbell from the Evil Dead films, and uh, he appeared as Jim Douglas in that film, too, giving the car to basically passing it along to Bruce Campbell, or passing it along to Ash, if you will. Yes, yes. So, uh, anyway, uh, you know, along the way, there was, and I will, he does have the distinction of starring in the first film that I ever saw in a theater, which would be The Snowball Express in okay. 1973. Wow, so, wow. Uh, I will... I will. I will say that was the absolute first one that I that I ever saw theatrically. My my mother's mother, my, my maternal grandmother, took me to see that, and that was uh, that was it. And uh, so, uh, Mr. Super Invisible, Million Dollar Duck, um, 
he actually uh, appears uncredited in Spielberg's first theatrical fe- feature, The Sugarland Express. And of course, I love Shaggy Da. That's a yeah, that's yeah, always me too. A good one. Yeah. Uh, so, and if you remember, he became a born again Christian in the uh, late seventies, mid to late seventies, and he appeared in the film version of Born Again, which was you know Charles Colson was one of yeah, oh yeah, uh, Nixon's henchmen, and he right. <laughs> he uh, took over the uh, role of Charles Colson uh, based on his book, and uh, he did that in '78. So, you know, uh, he kind of slowed down a little bit in the in the '80s and the '90s, and he appeared in Other People's Money with Danny DeVito and Beethoven in '92, but and Clear and Present Danger, the uh, uh, Tom Clancy yep. adaptation. But that was really about the 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 last uh, major role that he had in a theatrical film. Uh, yeah, except for there was a remake of That Darn Cat. I think he had a he had a, a cameo in that. But uh, rest in peace, Dean Jones died at 84 of uh, Parkinson's, complications from Parkinson's. So yeah, really- he, uh, he had uh, several children, um, eight grandchildren, three great-grandchildren. Um, he was married for 42 years, which is pretty uh, pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. For anybody to be married that long, but you put it in, in the Hollywood circles, that's just really, uh, honestly, it, it's unheard of. Um, yeah. You know, he also had a long career um, in uh, Broadway, uh, done some, uh, uh, also he was in uh, Elvis Presley, uh, one of the Elvis Presley films as a DJ. Um, trying to think what uh, movie, oh, Jailhouse Rock. Um, he was he was in that, a small role as, a, right. as a disc Got jockey. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, performed with... Uh, uh, Jane Fonda on Broadway. Yep. Uh, the guy's film credits, you know, Disney definitely had 10 Disney films, I think, is what he ended up having, but 46 mm-hmm. films to his credit uh, along his career. And um, he's also got a spot in Disney's uh, Legends Hall of Fame, and it's definitely, mm-hmm. definitely well, well deserved. That is for sure. Uh, Dean Jones, uh, we uh, lost him at the age of 84 uh, just this week. Uh, also, another one uh, that's uh, kind of a far cry from Disney. From a standpoint of the kinds of films that, that are put together, uh, Wes Craven, um, you know, a horror meister in many ways, uh, just a, a, an amazing creative genius. Uh, he passed away uh, this week as well. And let's get some of your thoughts on uh, the life of, uh, of Wesley Earl Craven. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. Uh, from all accounts, he was a real soft-spoken and really genuinely nice person, uh, which is the... Uh, opposite from what his films might suggest. Of course, uh, his first film was The Last House on the Left. He uh, was a uh, college professor and just really loved films and uh, came from a very strict uh, religious background. And uh, he just did the movie bug bit, and he was determined to get into the business and um, basically just uh, left his wife and kids. Uh, he supported them, but he, he his wife wasn't going to uh, follow him pursue his dream, so he decided to do it himself, and he teamed up with uh, Sean Cunningham, who went, went on to direct uh, uh, the original Friday the 13th, but uh, Cunningham uh, wound up uh, producing uh, Last House on the Left, and he directed it, and the film was just really uh, like nothing anybody had ever seen before, and in fact, it's still very potent, um, and has its legion of followers, uh, for sure. Um, he followed the, it took him a while to get funding for another film, but he finally got that as, uh, in, uh, 1977, as The Hills Have Eyes, and another horror film, of course, and that one 
in my opinion, is, is a better, more polished film than Last House on the Left. Uh, a couple of TV movies, um, Stranger in Our House from 78, and then followed that with, uh, or uh, he did Invitation to Hell was another TV movie, and Chiller. Um, and he also did Deadly Blessing and Swamp Thing, of course, uh, before he uh, found success with his next franchise, which we or his first major franchise, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I got to uh, say, that, Adam, that's the you know, that was '84. That was the first movie that I saw that I just remember freaking me out. And yeah. I'd seen other movies before, other scary movies. I mean, I I, I grew up on uh, on horror films. That was the first one that just kind of freaked me out, and um, it was just the concept of it was was really kind of amazing that you you know you, we see monsters in real life, and it, it's one thing, but when you see them in your dreams, and you realize okay, if they kill you in your dreams, then you're dead. I mean, that whole yeah. twist on that kind of horror genre really changed things, and yeah. um, I just remember it kind of freaking me out, and you know that introduced the world. Uh, a lot of people uh, to Johnny Depp um, with uh, with that film, and um, you know he, he of course Depp went on from there, and he had a very small part in that film, uh, although oh, yeah. uh, pretty important. Um, we're not going to give anything away for people who haven't seen that original movie, but uh, but yeah, Depp Depp was in that for a short amount of time, but uh, yeah, that movie just kind of freaked me out, and uh, you know it was the only one in that franchise that he uh, wrote and directed. Yeah, it was. He he was involved in the third one uh, from a writing perspective, story perspective. And then after the series ended, he came back and did Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I think is a, a very interesting take on the film. Uh, so uh, on the series, I should say, but uh, that's basically where the actors play themselves, and Freddie is uh, haunting the actors' dreams. Yep. You know, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting take. Along the way, he also did um, Deadly Friend from '86. Uh, and you were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. It was the first R-rated film I saw in a theater, so it holds a distinction for me, too. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, was, I was practically in the theater by myself. Uh, I don't remember anybody else being in that theater. I sat there alone. I was about 14 at the time, and, boy, that was something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> really oh, yeah. Was. Uh, Serpent in the Rainbow, of course, Shocker, um, not People Under the Stairs. Uh, he had a three-picture deal with Universal and, and churned those out. Uh, and then uh, Vampire in Brooklyn with um, uh, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, which, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was. He's a very nice. Wes Craven seemed to be a very nice person. He wouldn't really say anything bad about Eddie Murphy, but uh, you could tell that it was uh, it was really tough for him to work with Eddie Murphy on that film. And uh, and then he surprisingly got another franchise going in 1996 when he opted to direct the film Scream. And that turned into yet another franchise. He wound up doing four of those. And along the way, he also tried to change his pace a little bit. In 1999, he directed the drama Music of the Heart with Meryl Streep. It's about as far removed from his other films as you could, one could imagine. And, and outside of the screen films, he kind of slowed down a little bit in the 2000s. Uh, let, me, let me dive in real quick. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Meryl, the Meryl Streep film, that, you know, she got the, an Oscar nomination she did, uh, yeah. out of that film as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He directed her to an Oscar nomination, and uh, it was interesting to see him do something different. And uh, But then in the 2000s, outside of the screen films, he kind of slowed down. There wasn't really much there except for Red Eye and Cursed, or the, 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 the two, and those were both in the same calendar year, actually. So uh, he, 
you know, a couple of he did my soul to take in 2010, and, and another scream, and that was it. And it's a yep. shame. I wish he, you know, uh, had done a couple other films there in the last several years. But anyway, rest in peace. Wes Craven died of a brain tumor or brain cancer there uh, out in L.A. So there we go. Yep. A lot of a lot of things to his uh, credit, and uh, he, his name will definitely go down uh, in in film history with without oh, yeah. without a doubt. Uh, Wes Craven, uh, Dean Jones, uh, we uh, appreciate what they brought to film, and uh, we uh, we uh, enjoy spending some time talking about them and their lives and their film careers. Uh, last week in the box office, uh, dive into this real quick uh, just before we uh, talk about hits and misses of the summer. Uh, straight out of Compton, uh, number one for uh, three weeks in a row. Uh, huge success of a film. Uh, $28 million budget, $134 million uh, total gross. Uh, this is kind of kind of film that, it's one of those that will actually, um, it's a rarity today, but this is going to make more money in the U.S. than it will abroad. Um, you know, most of the films today we're seeing are making much more money uh, overseas. This one's not going to be the case on, on uh, Straight Outta Compton, but continuing to be a success um but it almost got beat out by a, a true underdog of a film uh the uh, war room uh, the uh, christian-based film from the uh, kendrick brothers out of uh, georgia along with uh, a friend of mine actually as a co uh, co-producer gary wheeler out of davidson north carolina uh, pulled this film together it was uh, the first one shot out of the state of uh, georgia that these guys have done they've done other films like courageous and uh, fireproof and uh uh, those kinds of films, and they found success with audiences. Uh, they've they've been able to do well and, and definitely make their money back. But this is one of those that um, you know, if it had been in, uh, here's the screen count. Okay, this just kind of puts it in perspective. Uh, Straight out of Compton, 3,100 screens. War Room, 1,100, and uh, it only uh, it only lost out by just uh, you know two million dollars. And so, if it'd been in the same amount of screens or even another five hundred, I think that War Room, this three million dollar film, would have been number one last weekend. And uh, we've seen the past uh, past few years, Adam, religious based films, faith based films have, have started to find um, uh, a fine ground, and uh, they've always been able to to find audiences. But when you're talking about uh, being number one at the box office above anything else, uh, that's saying something. That's saying something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. These these faith based films, they do they do find the audiences. I just I just wish they were there. They were better made. I don't know. A lot of these films, they just um, they just paint everything in in very broad strokes and. Um, you know, nothing against them. I think it's great what they're doing, don't get me wrong, that they're trying to reach that audience. I just wish that they would... Sometimes I feel like the, 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 the scripts are a little... Uh, they're more interested in getting the films out there than, than taking the time to, to get these scripts right, I think, some, with some of these films. and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's some of them that are uh, better than others, obviously, some of them, but you know, a lot of these that we're seeing are just quality-wise. They're not really... Uh, they're, they're just kind of TV movie level, if you know what I mean. And so, but you know, hey, well, uh, I'm glad that it's working for them, and uh, it's, you know, I guess they'll continue to do it as long as it is. Yeah, and I, I think it's I think it really is about director's intent. And if you know who your audience is, and you know what your yeah. audience wants, then then why not produce that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, right. It's, you know, every other uh, director that uh, and producer that we've talked about, they look at they try to look at audience appeal, and that's the that's the basis of it. And um, 
the, the war room is definitely uh, definitely doing that and uh, definitely trending everywhere you look um, in social media. And uh, they're going to add, I think, 500 theaters uh, this weekend as well. So we'll see uh, see what that does for it uh, opening this. Uh, let's see what is opening this weekend in theaters. Uh, do you have that release schedule handy? Um, this actually, weekend, uh, we, I've we got have, it. Uh, Walk in the Woods. Yeah, it's weird. It looks to me like they're re-releasing Dope. Am I seeing that right? Or? Um, I don't see that uh, in the wide release. Uh, I don't see that. I, I have it listed here. Maybe that's a misprint. Okay. Uh, but that came out earlier in the summer. Didn't do a lot of business. It's a pretty good movie, actually. But uh, I saw it was being reissued. I wonder what that was all huh. about. Also, Walk in the Woods yep. with Robert Redford. That yep. was issued on uh, Wednesday, the yep. 2nd. Yeah, Redford and, and Nick Nolte. Yep. Yeah, Nick Nolte, uh, Robert Redford. And it's getting decent reviews. It's kind of middle of the road. Uh, and then there's uh, Transporter Refueled. Yep, yep. Those are the, the two films. And then uh, uh, next weekend we've got uh, The Visit in Night Shyamalan back on the big screen. Uh, Perfect Guy. And then 90 Minutes uh, in Heaven. Um, also uh, releasing uh, next next weekend. Well, let's uh, let's dive into hits and misses of the summer. This is the last official weekend at summer uh, that counts uh, at the box office, and um, we've had some uh, some really decent films. We've had some sleeper films, and uh, we've had some duds as well. So uh, I'll let you dive in with uh, wherever you want to, and then I'll uh, I'll follow follow suit. Well. Uh... <laughs> Where, where do we start? I guess uh, with the disappointments, I guess we could go back to Tomorrowland because <laughs> that was a big financial yep. disappointment, yep. I would say. Um, yeah, a movie that uh, budget was $190 million, uh, domestic only $93 million. Now, worldwide, it got its money back, but, but barely. Um, I did not think it was a bad film. Um, it's but, okay, uh, yeah. You know, Brad Bird directed, uh, wrote this piece as well, had George Clooney in it, Hugh Laurie, and uh, Brad Bird was also a producer in this film. But, uh, you know, I, I think they couldn't, I think the marketing hurt it because it was, they didn't, you, you weren't really quite sure what the movie was trying to be from a marketing standpoint. But uh, I didn't think it was a bad film. I didn't think it was great, but it sure wasn't. Uh, it sure wasn't horrible, but you're right. It, it definitely flopped at the box office. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it was. It did not. Just didn't do the numbers they were looking for. Uh, Poltergeist. The sequel yes. Polter, I mean the. Not a sequel, but uh, the remake yep. of Poltergeist was disappointing. That was in May, so we had we had that one. Uh, also, that's another another one that. Um, it didn't do very well, and and probably the biggest disappointment of them all was this past weekend. If you, uh, I guess we should make note that we are your friends. The Zac Efron movie opened to the worst debut in film history at one point three million dollars. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's really really bad. Yeah, so really really bad. That's one that we can certainly put in there. I didn't see it, so I can't attest to yep. it. But it was a passion project for Efron, but. Uh, my money says Efron's not going to be getting a passion project anytime soon. <laughs> I think you're right, man. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was going to say uh, another one that uh, was a was a disappointment from a money standpoint domestically. Uh, Terminator Genesis. Uh, yeah, trying to bring this uh, trying to bring this franchise back again. Schwarzenegger back in uh, yeah. in the picture for this film. Also, Jay Courtney, J.K. Simmons uh, coming off his Oscar, uh, having a, a supporting role in this. Uh, the movie 155 million, so really not a big budget from Terminator standards. 
but uh, domestically only brought in just shy of $90 million. Now, worldwide, uh, pretty well, uh, you know, $409 million. Mm-hmm. But we've seen, um, even though they may make the money overseas, some of these films aren't going to get a chance to come back again. Uh, we've seen that in the past. I mean, John Carter's one that really died. Um, it died domestically, but it made a lot of money overseas, made its money back. But, uh, you know, there was no chance that that was going to have any kind of uh, sequel to it, that's for sure. Right. So Terminator Genesis, I'm wondering, you know, are we going to see how long is it going to be before they're going to try to do something again um, with, with this, these kind of numbers uh, from a domestic standpoint? Yeah, I know. Uh, it, it will be curious to see what, uh, what becomes, becomes of it. But, yeah, it did do well overseas, so you've got yep. to think about that. Uh, Fantastic Four, of course, was a huge yeah. disappointment, yeah. critically and financially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was really. Um, yeah. You and I talked about it, and uh, we were both disappointed in it. I, I, I gave it um, a little sub-average uh, rating. Um, yeah. But that was based on you know I'm trying to put it in the perspective of okay if I'd seen this film. 10, 15 years ago as a superhero film, where would it be? And it, it, you know, it was okay. But man, you know, compared to what people are expecting now and um, also compared to what it, it could have and should have been, I the best part of the film to me was the first part where you're seeing um, the two kids and you're, you're seeing kind of where it all started. I mean, that was the best part of the movie to me. And I'm like, okay, the best part of the movie was the first 15, 20 minutes when you're seeing them as kids. There really really are some problems to it. So, um, yeah. yeah, Fantastic Four, only $53 million domestically. That is horrible. That is absolutely horrible. Um, worldwide, $146 million, So it may not even make its money back. Yeah. And that's that's really bad. Well, that, that basically is a good uh, cautionary tale for what's happening these days, a lot of these guys are getting gigs directing films based on some lower-budgeted film that they've made that made them an in, in indie darling or something like that. Like Colin Trevorrow is, a, is another example, although he was offered the Jurassic World uh, the film and he turned it around and did great things with it. But the other side of that coin is Josh Trank, who directed Chronicle and wound up directing... Uh, Fantastic Four, and he just wasn't ready to handle the pressure. And I, and what is, what is it? What do you do when you make a when you're a, basically an indie filmmaker who gets a big franchise film that tanks? I mean, do you go back to making indie films? I don't see that happening. I mean, that doesn't look like a viable option if you ask me. So I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic. I think with these guys, and Mark Webb is another one who yep. directed the uh, Spider-Man yep. uh, franchise. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Uh, the the Amazing Spider-Man. So you know, I, I don't I don't know. That's that's a real good. That's an interesting conundrum. That's going to be. Uh, it's been curious to see how that works out. Let me let me share one that uh, was a pleasant surprise for me. I, I, I had hoped I would like it, but ended up liking it a lot more than than I anticipated. It was Mad Max: Fury Road. I uh, yeah. loved this film, released back in May, so it was the early part of the summer, and uh, really loved a lot of aspects of it, and it was great to see that character on screen again, and, uh, and, and great to me, great to see the way it was, was pulled together. It really was more of a Mad Maxine film 
than Mad Max in many ways, but it worked for me, and uh, I was really happy with that. That that movie's going to end up probably in the the top ten at the box office for the summer, um, and uh, it's yeah, it, it it may even end up in like number nine. We'll have to see after this weekend, but uh, not not too bad for uh, for seeing uh, Mr. Miller come back and uh, and bringing this character back to life again. Talking about director George Miller. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, so uh, there's other things we can talk about. Entourage, which had a, a pretty low budget, but only took in 10.4 million. Had a 30 million budget, 10.4 yeah. million in its first weekend, and didn't do much business after that. Uh, and so you know there was another one, and of course Aloha. Oh yeah, I was going to mention Aloha. Yep. Yeah, we can't can't not mention Aloha. Uh, 16 million on a 37 million budget, but you know what? That's a lot better than what I thought those numbers are, and I bet you it'll even break even overseas when you put it out there. It'll probably, you know, and, and home video revenue, it'll, yep. it'll probably at least yep. break even, which is, but... Yeah, it'll do uh, okay. Let me, let me throw a couple uh, couple movies that I just really liked this summer that were hits for me, um, not box office hits, but, but hits for me personally, um, Love and Mercy... And Mr. Holmes, uh, both of those movies, uh, I, I truly, uh, truly enjoyed. Uh, Mr. Holmes, of course, uh, taking on Sherlock Holmes with uh, Sir Ian McKellen, and uh, you know, pretty cool when you can play, uh, you can play Gandalf, you can also uh, play Sherlock Holmes, and uh, and, and even be uh, be an X Man, um, the villain. Uh, you know, not not too shabby of, of a life there, uh, Mr. Holmes. Uh, pretty cool film if you haven't had a chance to see it. Very uh, low-budget film, uh, really limited release, uh, but uh, it was one that I really enjoyed, so I would recommend that when it comes out on uh, on uh, in-home video. And then Love and Mercy, uh, the Brian Wilson story, you and I both uh, really enjoyed this with John Cusack, Elizabeth Banks, Paul Giamatti, and Paul Dano. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some great films out and talk about Paul Giamatti. Uh, he was... Uh, He's had some interesting turns in Straight Outta Compton and uh, Love and Mercy. Yeah, yep. Uh, two two uh, uh, diverse characters involved Absolutely. in the music business. Absolutely. And I, I, I enjoyed both of those films uh, immensely. Yeah. I, I will tell you, I really did. And uh, we were talking about disappointments. Ted, too, was a disappointment financially, but I, that's a film I liked, actually, uh, as far as liking Okay. Things I okay. enjoyed it. Unfortunately, it didn't have the firepower that the first film had, but I enjoyed uh, Ted too, and I I really hate that um, that it did not do the numbers that the first one did because I don't think we'll see another one. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, vacations on my list of a film that I did not enjoy uh, this summer. Uh, I, I think uh, I think they tried too hard, and uh, you and I both have a. A fellow film critic who uh, couldn't even last uh, the first half hour of the film before he left. Yeah, and so um, you know the movie itself, uh, it, it made its money back. Uh, Thirty million, thirty-one million dollar budget. Uh, it, it brought back fifty-five million domestic, but you know, sure not uh, the kind of numbers I think they were hoping when they were bringing this uh, this movie back uh, to the big screen. But uh, not not on my favorites list this summer. I saw it. I, I got some laughs, but uh, but overall, it's not one of those that I'm going to have in my collection. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, it, it was. Uh, <laughs> there were there were some people offended. I, I it was. I guess my expectations were so low on that that uh, I, I kind of found myself laughing uh, more than I 
had anticipated. So, uh, you know, I can't say I, I totally hated it. I, I, did I love it? No. Certainly better than European vacation, I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, that's so. the truth. That's the truth. Well, give me uh, – we've got uh, we've got to be wrapping up here in just the next couple yeah. minutes. But give me, um, give me three films uh, from the summer that we haven't talked about that, uh, that you want to make sure you mention. Well, no, that's uh – uh, that's a, that's an interesting conundrum there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well I, I'll, I'll we throw haven't it. talked about. Okay. Uh, well, I guess we didn't talk about. Um, we didn't really talk about No Escape. Right. That's one we haven't discussed. Which I did see that, and uh, that's uh, again, it's cartoonish. I would say, as far as an action film goes, and probably uh, you wouldn't want to put too much stock in the reality of things, but. That was an interesting turn from Owen Wilson, casting him in the uh, Liam Neeson role as the go-to action star. And right, right. Instead of seeing him in a goofy comedy, uh, as he usually is, here he is uh, trying to defend his family, and it's a very violent film. But he's, uh, goes, he and his family go over to um, Malaysia for a job assignment that he has, and no sooner have they, than the plane has landed that uh, the country is taken over by... Uh, has a political uprising, rather, and, uh, and they're basically looking to kill all Americans. And, of course, his family is targeted, and he basically spends the rest of the film running from them and coming at them with uh, any a blunt object he can find. So, yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> it's, go. It's, uh, it's, it's, much, it's, 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 an, it's probably one of the more intense films I've seen this summer. Is it a great film? No, but... It's definitely entertaining in a, in a way. So. Okay, well, good deal. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll throw yeah. out I'll throw out three. Uh, my favorite family film. I'm giving it family because I took my family to see it. Ant Man uh, enjoyed that uh, tremendously. It was uh, it was it was not just a superhero film. Uh, it, it got a little deeper and had had a lot of fun, and I appreciated that. My favorite action film of the summer was Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. And yeah, I agree um, with you. and that my favorite uh, favorite uh, kids film or animated film was Inside Out. Um, I, I thought it, it actually transcended uh, being a, a kid's film, and it, mm-hmm. uh, it did a lot more than that. So those are my three, uh, three takes as we wrap things up. Uh, this is CinemaScene on uh, Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. We're out of time. We talked about a lot today, including the deaths of Dean Jones, Wes Craven, uh, talked about the success of The War Room, uh, movie, uh, faith-based film, and we gave some hits and misses of the summer. Uh, next weekend uh, on Cinema Scene, but we'll give you kind of a final tally on uh, the box office numbers after Labor Day wakes up, uh, or as it wraps up, I should say, as it yeah. goes to sleep and we go into the fall. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, what what made the money. Um, and uh, unless some major things change, that top five at the box office will not be changing a whole lot uh, as it is right now. So we'll talk about that next week and, uh, and much more right here on Cinema Scene. Adam. Focusnewspaper.com is where people can find you. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Right. Yep, and um, you can occasionally find me on our uh, another podcast, a monthly contributor on Movie Geeks United. So, and my latest uh, contribution to them is now up online. You can find that at moviegeeksunited.net or on iTunes. Uh, or I contribute a monthly Blu-ray report there. So good deal. We do that in addition to this. All so, right. As always, we, <laughs> we appreciate your time, buddy, and appreciate talking movies. Uh, and uh, you guys can always check us out on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. Uh, just go to WGWG.org for links to all of that, and you can interact with us on Facebook. So until next time, I'm Noel Manning. That's Adam Long. And for WGWG.org, that's a wrap. <laughs>